Blog Talk Radio. Lexium Studios, welcome to our show today. Our guest today is here to give us the bottom line on his secrets to success in self-defense. Ladies and gentlemen, he is going to teach you how to stop a violent attack. Our listeners know the importance of seeking out a mentor who can save you time and money, and in this case, literally save your life or the life of a loved one. With last week's tragedy in Orlando, this horrible Orlando massacre where over a hundred people were killed or injured by a lunatic with a gun. This really is a timely message. And our guest has been in the martial arts and protection industry for over 30 years. Martial Arts Business Magazine even selected him as one of the elite martial arts instructors and his school among the top 100 in all of North America. So he's an author, a speaker, a mentor. He's a husband, father, and entrepreneur. He currently travels across the United States with his son sharing their instructional and inspirational secrets to success. The one move that will save your life is his system. So his system, Protective Tactics 101, and his weekend immersion training guarantees that in only just two short days, virtually anyone can be empowered to stop a violent attack, to heal from violence in your past, and start to live the life you always wanted. So we're pleased to welcome to our show, Don Johnson. Don. Lillian, how are you today? Fantastic. A little warm, but other than that, happy to be alive and too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> Very good. Very good. How about you? Thank- well, thanks for having me on today. It's warm here today, but that's the way I like it. It's all good. Yeah. Very good, very good. So before we dive in deep about the, the nitty-gritty about Protective Tactics 101, why don't you tell our, our listeners where you grew up, uh, where did you start your journey that has led you to be an expert with multiple black belts and uh, de- you know, defense tactics training? Gotcha. I'd be happy to. Um, real quick, you know, I grew up in a small town, Chesterton, Indiana, and um, I was very fortunate and blessed to have parents that were actively involved in our lives. Um, you know, we did a lot of you know, camping and traveling and did little things. Um, they were active in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts and that kind of stuff. My dad was uh, you know, always one of the, the people helping out or leading the entire uh, Cub Scout pack. Um, my mom was den mother. You know, he coached the baseball teams and all that kind of stuff. So um, they were real fortunate and real active. But I was kind of small. And so, uh, you know, I got picked on in school. Um, there was a – every day I'd go to my locker, the guy next to me who was about a foot and a half taller would just shove me at my locker and laugh. So, you know, I, being kind of small, I, I pursued solutions. I started lifting weights. I joined wrestling and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, so this was way back in the you know, 70s and 80s. So, you know, Bruce Lee had come on the scenes, and Mark Schwartz was just starting to hit mainstream America. And uh, so it piqued my interest. Um, way back then, just because, 
you know, the David Carradine and the Kung Fu series and Bruce Lee with Enter the Dragon and such. So it's intrigued me, especially getting picked on in school. Um, of course, you know, back then we didn't call it bullying. We just you know, called it kids and kids. But um, that's where my original interest began. Wow. And so what was your first encounter where you actually had to defend yourself? Do you, do you even remember the first instance or the first significant instance where you really felt that you had to, you know, defend yourself or you were under an imminent attack or threat? Well, actually kind of cool. The, um, and it wasn't me personally. I was a roller skating skate guard. And so I was one of those guys that uh, would just skate around backwards and make sure people weren't going too fast and, you know, protect people when they fell down and that kind of thing. And, you know, back then it was really, really popular. So we'd have a few hundred people on a Friday or Saturday night. And, you know, I'd been watching them, you know, the movies and the Kung Fu series and all this kind of stuff, so I was into this, but I hadn't began yet. Um, I had talked my way out of a couple fights and, you know, just smiled and, and uh, you know, talked and, you know, de-escalated. I was able to negotiate my way out of it, so that was all good. But one night at the roller skating rink, you know, there was a, um, literally a stereotypical, but there was a little Asian kid that came to our town, and, you know, we're... We're kind of a, a bunch of white bread back here, so it's you know a small town in uh, north, north northwest Indiana, and there was a little Asian boy that came to skating that night, and uh, one of our regular skaters was just giving him a hard time, just every time he'd skate by, you know he'd, he'd bump into him or run into him, and that was somebody that I was always having to tell to slow down and stuff. So I'm like, man, you know, Ray, just cut him a break, just leave him alone, just you know knock it off. Well, all night long, Ray's you know picking on this kid. So the little Asian kid, literally to uh, try to avoid the problem, you know, he tried to leave like 15 minutes before the end of the skating session. So he was outside waiting for his ride. And next thing I know, somebody comes skating up to me real fast and says, Don, 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 Ray went outside to get that little Asian kid. I skate real fast to the side door. I open the side door just in time to see Ray loading up to come in and punch his kid. And just like, I mean, literally out of the movie, like Karate Kid, um, and this was long before the movie ever aired, um, this kid just you know, jumped up and popped great Ray right in the groin with a little front snap kick. And Ray just grabbed his groin, dropped to the ground, like, you cheat. <laughs> and like, oh, man, that was so cool. So, you know, that was the first time <laughs> I got to see it for real. Oh, yep, you got up there for a little bit. So the first time you got to see it for real in action. Yeah, so so that was exciting. So like, I got to start taking lessons. I got to find a place to start studying, and that was you know literally in eighty two, eighty three when I started. So thirty three. Don, sorry, we're, we must have a bad. We must have a little bit of a. We're having a challenge with the connection. It's cutting out a bit. Oh. So, so you oh, said it was the uh, first time you saw it in action. Then, and and uh, then what happened? Well, that's when I, after seeing that, I said I've got to start taking lessons somewhere, and I sought out, um, began taking my martial arts lessons at that time, and uh, I said that was back in eighty two, eighty three, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and this is interesting because you're in your book. You talk about there are some people that believe who they believe they're ready, and then there's other people who pretend they're ready. And then I'm sure the third category are the people who know, without a shadow of a doubt, that they're ready. Can you elaborate a little bit about that distinction? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it was 
as a martial artist, I began martial arts thinking that I was going to learn self-defense and thinking that I was going to be prepared and thinking that I would be ready to uh, protect myself. Um, and I love them. Don, yes. we seem to be having a tra- uh, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Uh, we're having a little bit of a challenge with the the uh, the line not coming through and it cutting out. Is it possible you can call in on another line? Oh shoot! If you can hear me. Oh, there you are. Yep, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it, it cut out. We'll, we'll try. Yeah, we're cutting out a bit, and so um, well, let's let's try it. Let's see if it it'll improve. Otherwise, we might have to ask you to call on another line back into the studio. Okay. But um, and right. we were yeah. talking about how there are some people who believe they're ready, others pretend they're ready, and then there are of course the third category, which is you and those that you train, are those who absolutely positively know that they're ready. Yeah, it's you know many people who have taken a self defense class or they've taken martial arts for years. Um, or maybe they they carry a gun or pepper spray or something. They think they're ready for a violent attack. Unfortunately, uh, you know, studies show that that's not the case. Um, very few people are actually prepared for real violence. Uh, in countless occasions, people will say that when they are violently attacked, it was faster and more violent than they ever expected. It's not what people train. Uh, in martial arts schools, and it's not like sport at at all. Yeah, and I think that's a a very big distinction, and I think more more people, you know, more people would probably be surprised to realize how quickly in a flash, because I would imagine your adrenaline immediately starts pumping and time becomes, you know, kind of disappears. Well, you know, they say that the the typical physical confrontation lasts eight seconds. So, most for most people, it's over before they ever before they barely realized it started. So, so what is your what is your take? What is the step one? What is the uh, first tenet that you teach people to bring themselves to an you know a place where they can be ready? Well, everything begins with mindset. You know, whether uh, it's in protecting yourself or whether it's in success or anything, um, you've got to begin with the right mindset, a mindset that you are prepared. We have three steps as part of our mindset that people have to prepare. They have to learn how to prevent, and they have to protect. We don't ever want to get to the point where we have to physically protect. We want to do everything possible to um, make ourselves prepared to recognize that there are bad things that happen to good people. And we simply need to do anything and everything we can to avoid the avoidable, to stop a potentially dangerous attack, to not be there when we think that something is possible. And if we find ourselves in a situation where you know it just doesn't feel right or there's uh, like likelihood or even possibility that... Um, things could go bad, then our best move is to not be there. You know, in the martial arts, we teach that uh, there are all these different types of blocks or high blocks and low blocks and outside and inside and knife hand and X blocks and wedge blocks and, you know, the best block in the world when it comes to a physical violent attack is 
to not just to be a block away. <laughs> it's to not be uh-huh. there. You need to exit. Wow. So that's a so, that's that's a huge key. Yeah. Yeah, I, I read that there, and in fact, I think in your book you talk about how the Bureau of Justice uh, has some statistics that one in four college-age students will be attacked. And, and I had heard prior to reading your book that one in three women, uh, or actually one in three girls, will be attacked at some point in their lifetime. You know, that's 30% of our population that's female. That's really horrifying. So, you know, if you're a girl and you have a girl to your right and to your left, that means that either the one to the right or to the left or you may potentially be harmed or put in a life-threatening situation. It, it's so common, and yet people just prefer not to think about it. Yet there are people that they know, family members, friends, that have gone through this. And, you know, bad things happen to good people. It's a shame that, you know, it takes something like an Orlando massacre to bring it to the attention of people again that bad things happen. But, you know, more importantly, um, bad things are happening every minute of every day throughout the country. Um you know, they say that a, a violent attack occurs approximately every 23 seconds. A property crime occurs uh, every three and a half seconds, and that thing includes like home burglaries and car carjackings. Uh, and worst of all, you know, domestic violence they say occurs every three seconds. So literally, every minute of every day, people are being violently attacked, and they just don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to deal with it. You know, I began talking about, you know, the mindset is all important. You know, we don't want to be there, but we have to recognize that we may find ourselves in that situation. And rather than just, you know, stick our head in the sand and pretend things don't happen, we need to recognize that it makes more sense to hope for the best. Now, hope that it never happens, but prepare for the worst. Actually know that if we find ourselves in a situation that we are at risk or someone we care about is about to be violent attacked, then we need to know how to deal with that. And to just pretend it doesn't happen is, is unacceptable in my mind. Well, and, you, you know, you brought up something just a second ago because um, you said that, you know, people are not only, you know, attacked and under threat as they're out and about, but, you know, we, we for the most part, I think most people think, you know, you're driving in your car and you're pretty pretty much well protected in your car because you've got this big hunk of metal that's, you know, several tons around you. You you kind of take it for granted that you're going to be safe provided that you're in your car. But you mentioned that, you know, these attacks are not just when you're out and about in the street, but it can happen in your car as well as in your home. So does your training afford people the skill when they leave to protect themselves even if their well-being is compromised while they're in their car? Absolutely. The tactics are universal. Wow. And, you know, like you mentioned there, it can happen at any time in any place. I mean, we look at even the, the headline news things that have gone on, uh, you know, an elementary school, Sandy Hook, um, the, you know, in a nightclub, at a Christmas party, um, on the beach. It doesn't matter anywhere and everywhere. In the privacy of your own home, bad things happen. And whether it's in your car or anywhere that you may be, things happen. Violence does not restrict, you know, race, creed, color, size. It doesn't, it's not exclusive. Everybody is the potential 
subject of a violent attack. And we, we each need to accept responsibility and be prepared for that. Now, okay, so I'm going to talk to you from the perspective, from my own perspective, only because I happen to be a much smaller than average size or normal sized adult. You know, is it really likely that, you know, you know I'm the size of an 11, 12 year old? You know, I'm about five foot one, just a smidgen over 100 pounds. I go, really? Is it really? possible for myself to defend myself against a man who's let's say 200 pounds who's a bodybuilder who has you know bad intentions would i really be able to disable him and protect myself so i could walk away well you phrase that correctly would you be able to disable him and walk away yes would you win in a fight against him absolutely not see we don't want to compete because in competition we have you know They try to match them up by size. They try to match them up by weight. They match people up by by experience. They match people up in all different ways to try to make it a fair fight. The last thing we want on the street is a fair fight. And that goes for both you and the victim. I'm I'm sorry, and the uh, the perpetrator. So the attacker, they don't want a fair fight. They don't want somebody that's going to and I'll fight back and, and have a chance against them. Typically, they pick somebody who is more vulnerable. And unfortunately, like you say, um, as a five foot one female um, who's petite, they would see, many attackers would see you as a vulnerable target. Uh, how quickly you can surprise them because the body is vulnerable. It doesn't matter what their size or what their strength. When you understand where to strike and how to do that um, and the available tools that you have with you at all times, it doesn't matter what their size or strength or intention is. It doesn't matter how many of them there are. You can stop a violence attack. Wow. That, that's actually very comforting and empowering to hear that that's, that's possible. It sounds like in all circumstances. So that would also take care of, you know, somebody elderly who's, and you know, put in a compromising situation, they would also be able to protect themselves with, you know, the tactics that you teach and transfer. Well, and that's exactly right. Many people will ask me, "Is like, you know, am I, am I too old, or I've got a bad knee, or I've got a bad back, or you know, I'm just, I'm too out of shape?" And you're right. None of those people should get in a Ultimate Fighting Championship ring. <laughs> they should not get yeah. in a contest with somebody. <laughs> but we we don't compete. We cheat. We understand mm-hmm. the vulnerable targets. We understand our strengths, and we use our strengths in a way to create trauma, to hurt that person if necessary, if that's what it takes. If our only choice is either we get hurt or they get hurt then my choice is to hurt them. You know, that's, I'm going to do everything I can t- to protect myself and them and never get in that situation. But if it comes down to it and that's the only way out, then unfortunately for them, I'm going to make sure that myself and my family are safe. And that's something that anybody so, can do when they understand how. So when you talk about mindset, would you say that the mind part of the mindset... Uh, has to be that just you have to come to, in a conscious mode, decide that if you're ever put in that situation, that, number one, 
I, I will survive and I will come out of this alive. And if it's between him and me, it's going to be me, not not him. It's again, you know, because if he's trying to hurt me, you can't be, you know, when, as women we tend to be more nurturers and you don't want to hurt another person. But that other guy's not thinking that way. He's thinking he's going to do whatever it takes to quote unquote get you or do whatever it is that he has intentions to doing. So it isn't part of the mindset where you just have to consciously decide that so that subconsciously, you know, that's lying there, kind of like an underlying program. So if and when that ever happens, now you just need to think strategically and it's like, okay, ABC. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, the, the mindset is huge because, again, if you wait until something happens and then you're trying to you know, realize that it's happening and then trying to figure out what you can do and it's already done. So you need to go in with the mindset that you're prepared. Um, you will do everything you can to prevent. But if necessary, you will do whatever it takes to protect your life and the life of your loved ones. And that's a mindset. It's an undying commitment that you have to take to the table that you are willing to use the tool of violence if necessary to protect your life and save your family. Well, you know, this is fascinating because I'm seeing a correlation. And um, uh, I always say one of my favorite taglines is that, you know, success leaves clues because I really honestly not only believe that, but I also see that. And time and time again, when we have experts on our show, I see this commonality coming up. And part of my original training was in medicine. And so one of the first things I did was I became an emergency med tech while I was going to high school. And I remember the ABCs that they taught us when you first come into a trauma, trauma situation where you've got either one person or multiple people. Doesn't make doesn't make a difference. We had our ABCs. And, and it's funny because, again, it, it, it has to do with your mindset. You know, typically when people look at people who are, you know, in a car accident or have had any kind of injury or what so, you know, what so, whatever the case might be, the first thing that the, I think the human mind and the, you know, people's hearts are is you, you have compassion with them and you, you, you start to think immediately of what it must feel like, what they're going through. So you're like, oh, how painful it must be. But from from my um, emergency med, med tech training to this day, whenever I see an accident, I don't go there. My mindset is ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. Those are the first things that you look at to determine your triage, which is basically the order in which you're going to proceed. And it sounds exactly. like just in self-defense, you have your ABCs too. You have a certain mindset. You don't go to your default programming. You, by choice, have decided to take take this mindset, and now you have your ABCs for self-defense. And so I think that's a beautiful thing because I think that's part of the law of the universe, how things are ordered. There, there is a way to a better outcome, and there's an infinite number of possibilities, both in the positive or negative. But once you use your, your free will and your consciousness to decide, okay, I don't want to go in default mode, I know that there's there's the way that I can get what I want, which in this case is to not just survive, but to walk away alive, you know, with the least injury to myself as possible if I'm put in a compromising situation. There's a way, and you already have the blueprint with your 30-plus years of experience and, and multiple black belts. 
Well, and you would think that that would come automatically from, you know, my 30 years of experience in black belts and such, but it doesn't. You're ex- absolutely right that success does leave clues. Unfortunately, you can't find those clues. <laughs> you can find them, but they're very well hidden in most martial arts mm-hmm. and self-defense schools. Um, the system that I've developed is very simple. It's based on universal success principles. Success principles are, in mm. fact, universal. They, success does leave clues, and we have to understand that and actually search for those clues, recognize them, seek them out, and then put them into a sy- simple system. Uh, as you say, the ABC. In my system, I say that the Protective Tactics 101 is a system, a simple, easy-to-learn ABC 123 step-by-step solution that enables virtually anyone to stop a violent attack, to heal from violence in the past, and to start living the life you always wanted. Because those principles are, in fact, universal. The only, what, what I've done different, you know, a kick is a kick, a punch is a punch. There's nothing new under the sun as far as that goes. It's, I'm not teaching some new fancy techniques or something that I, you know, came up with. These things have been around forever. The difference is, I've organized it, I've simplified it, I've made it easy to understand and teach it in a way that virtually anyone can do it instantly. And it begins with that mindset. But then we need to go into the specific mechanisms, like I said, the ABC, the one, two, three. And then we need to understand our step-by-step, how do we prepare ourselves so we know that we are prepared if something happens. And in fact, the great part is actually, you know, whether it happens or not, um, you're prepared and you actually have more success in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's no, it's no coincidence that not only have you had extraordinary success, you know, as a um, basically self-defense uh, protective tactics expert throughout the country, but you have, I know you have a significant amount of real estate and a pretty healthy real estate business and you have several other businesses that you've obviously applied these tried and true methods and of course uh, you know you've had incredible success in those areas but this is your passion it is um, and I have had success in many different areas but again the reason is success principles are universal and I've sought out mm-hmm. specific training for that you know there's nothing special about me I'm just an ordinary guy the distinction is that I've had, I've sought out mentors. Mentors have mentor. Yes, I'm a mentor to lots and lots of people and have been for many, many years. But I'm empowered to do that because I've sought out mentors. I look for people who have been where I've been, who already have what I want and that are able to help me to get there faster, easier. And that's what I've done. I mean, over the past 30 plus years, um, I've invested over $400,000 in specialized education beyond, you know, high school and college. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that so that our listeners learn, you know, because this is another common denominator that I see with a lot of the experts that we have and people who are big names that have come on to this show. And, for example, um, many of the doctors that we have that have come on to this show as a direct result of healing that they needed for themselves and their body, they sought out a traditional MD degree but didn't find all the solutions in that MD degree. So consequently, most of them have three, four medical degrees or more. 
in different areas um, of medicine <clears throat> and not just Western medicine. And then, they, lo and behold, they were able to distill different aspects of the different modalities, and they came up with a solution to heal themselves. But more excitingly, they were able to transfer that knowledge that was now purified and distilled, and they were able to apply it to other individuals. And now other individuals, whether they're patients or other physicians who have learned some of those tactics that have cost them their lifetime to acquire, they've been able to, you know, now apply it with incredible results. And it sounds like you've done the same thing because you have, more, you know, not one black belt. You have multiple black belts. Um, I don't know the details as to what some of your background is, but share with our listeners some of your, your background and why, what the logic was or how you went about deciding this, that, or whatnot. Well, literally, after when I went to Indiana University, freshman year in the dorm, um, as I was moving into the dorm my freshman year, there was a a flyer on the bulletin board that said, you know, Taekwondo Club, $30 per semester. And I said, hey, I can do that. <laughs> and I didn't even know what Taekwondo was, but they had a picture of, you know, some people doing martial arts. It's like, yes, here I go, let's go. And I, that was my beginning. But I was fortunate that it was at Indiana University, and my first instructor was Professor Don Burns. He was the head of the, the martial arts department in uh, the, the, within the physical education. And as a professor, he strongly believed in people seeking out education. So right from the very beginning, he always encouraged us to learn from anybody and everybody that we could. And that's somewhat unique in the martial arts industry. There's a lot of ego among instructors. And they want you to learn their way, and they believe that their way is the best, and it's the only way. And as Bruce Lee said, and I mentioned earlier, a punch is a punch, a kick is a kick. You know, there's no one way that's necessarily better than another. It's just understanding, um, you know, what's best for you and figuring that out. And so, yeah, so over the past 30 years, I've sought out many different instructors. The biggest distinction probably, though, is... Uh, in addition to my Taekwondo experience and Hapkido and Kali Eskrima and Jiu-Jitsu, the biggest distinctions were the specialized education that I sought out, not just from the traditional martial arts, martial arts realm, um, but specialized instructors, people that have been, well, if I may, let me share my paradigm shift, may I? Yes, please do. I came back from Indian University, and I started my martial arts business. And uh, I was fortunate that while I was at IU, I was also interest, uh, invited or welcomed to the world of personal and professional development. And when I discovered that there was so much more education beyond the traditional realm, like you said, the doctors get their traditional MDA degree and realize that they didn't get their answers. Well, when I began the world of personal professional development, it was like, oh, my goodness, everything is available. Anything and everything that you want to get good at, there are people who have the answers, and it's available, but you have to seek it out. You want more faith. You want more fitness. You want more family, finances, fun. It doesn't matter. You want to know how to protect your life. There are people out there that specialize in those things. And it's not taught in traditional education, so you have to seek out those specific mentors. And I've done that for that past 30 years. And I've, when I came back from IU and started my martial arts business, I combined the martial arts business with 
on personal and professional development. So really, I, I was less in the martial arts business and more in the personal empowerment um, business. Uh, that's why most martial arts schools have maybe 30 students, and I had over 500 attending weekly. Um, people wanted what, what I was teaching because they want to improve their lives. And again, success principles are universal. I simply taught the success principles through my martial arts programs. Um, but something strange happened. I, you know, as a result of those 500 students and all the success I was having there, simply employing basic success principles through my martial arts, martial arts and business magazine selected me as one of the top 100 schools, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. But I started waking up with nightmares. My oh. son was born. Um, yeah, everything changed. Here's the paradigm shift. I mm-hmm. thought that I knew self-defense. I thought that I knew how to fight. I was learning different styles of martial arts. You know, I was state champion and fighting and forms and breaking. And you know, we have all these success and people have me do self-defense seminars and such. And while I knew some of it, it was good, my martial arts training. And, and I was good at what I did. But I, after I got married and had my son, um, and for those of you that have had kids, um, you realize that your entire world changes. Well, my world changed in a way that I didn't expect. I started waking up in the middle of the night with, in a cold sweat, you know, 3 a.m. in the morning, sit straight up in the bed because I just got done having some sort of nightmare, some sort of dream where I envisioned a scenario where my wife or my son was involved. And I, nothing in my training had prepared me for that. So, for wow. example, um, I have a dream where my wife and I went down to Navy Pier. We're just out, we're outside in Chicago, northwest Indiana. So I have a dream where my wife and I go to Navy Pier and we're, we're walking around and we're walking down to a restaurant and somebody jumps out and puts a knife to her throat. Now, I had some training so that if somebody put a knife to my throat, I have options, but that's not what happened in the dream. They put the knife to her throat. She doesn't oh, didn't have the changer. benefit of all my training. Yeah, complete yeah. game changer. Another another dream was um, I'm with my son who's you know barely able to walk at that point, and <laughs> we're just the two of us together walking, and four guys come at us. Now, and the four guys is not easy, but I can deal with it. But the distinction was only three of them came after me. And while I was dealing with these three guys, the fourth one grabbed my son and jumped in a van and took off. Oh I mean, these God. nightmares were just horrifying, right? And so literally my first introduction to violence, you know, and I don't know if it came from movies or what, or it was just a, you know, whether it was just a gift from God, a wake-up call, mm-hmm. was you need to train differently. Wow. That, yeah, I can see how that would be very chilling and very disturbing, and it would really compel you to really find the answer to that because not, not having the answer is not an option. Exactly. So, you know, I would go into the gym the next day um, trying, to, trying to figure out solutions, and what I discovered really quickly was my traditional training that I had already been in for 10 plus years did not prepare me for real violence on the street. Life or death where it's not just you, but your family's involved. 
And so I started seeking out a whole different type of mentors. I started seeking out um, people that deal with that kind of stuff as part of their job, uh, the military spec ops, U.S. Marshals, law enforcement, um, martial arts people that actually specialize in that kind of training, and even former felons, people who had real-life experience with violence on the street that learned what works and what doesn't work. And that's who I, the type of training I started seeking out, and that's the type of mindset that I shifted. So it was a total paradigm shift, a total perspective shift. And for the last 20 years, that has been the mindset that I've trained with. That has been the mindset that I've sought out instructors. And that's the mindset that I've developed my system based on. If we knew on Friday that somebody we cared about was going to be violently attacked on Monday, what could we teach them over the weekend? to make sure that they come home intact mentally, physically, emotionally, and return to our family. Wow. So my next question was was going to be why this book that you've written, but it seems evident after your last answer that the reason why you wrote this book was exactly that, to to also bring awareness. And I never – it's funny because you think – you know, you hear the term self-defense. And I know you – you focus more protective tactics, and it makes sense yes. to focus more on protective tactics because one thing is to be able to defend yourself, but as mothers, you know, we're responsible for our children, and so we want to not only be able to protect ourselves. Mama Bear wants to make care, you know, make sure we take care of our cubs, we take care of our tribe, um, and you don't mess with our, with our cubs because you have to deal with us, and we'll stop but nothing to do that. Um, but I still would like to you know, ask you the question, why this book? What inspired the book? There must have been some sort of trigger. I hear your game changer, and that's a pretty big, profound game changer. But why this book? I want to get the information out to as many people as possible. As you mentioned, I've had success in other businesses. I actually make my money in other ways. Um, we've got a, a fitness center. We've got lots of investment real estate. And this is a passion that I have. Um, as you notice, that the paradigm shift was a big game changer for me. But I just kind of kept it my, to myself all these years because that wasn't the main emphasis. Um, but in, in recent years, some things have changed again. And I've had a passion for that, and I've treated it as, as something that just my own personal education, my own personal knowledge. It wasn't something that I was looking to share with others because literally – self-defense the way I teach it is so short and so simple that literally virtually anyone can learn it in two days. Now, is there ongoing training? Are there things we can do to get better? Well, yeah, five minutes to learn, a lifetime to master. But literally, five minutes to learn. I can empower virtually anyone in only two days. The book is an introduction to help people realize that self-defense the way you normally think about it is not the way it's normally, is not the real success secret. I mean, Mm -hmm. the way traditional martial arts are taught and the way traditional self-defense programs are taught are not effective. For self-defense on the street to save your life and save your family, they don't prepare you for that. They don't teach it. And so many people think that, you know, back to the very beginning of our discussion, they believe that they're prepared. 
<laughs> and they're not. Some people pretend that they're prepared by carrying, you know, carrying a, a firearm or carrying pepper spray or carrying a, a knife, and they don't even know how to use it. They don't have the mindset. They don't have the. We won't get into that right now. But <laughs> mm-hmm. people are not prepared, and I want to empower people to actually be able to protect themselves. You know, bad things happen to good people every day, every minute. But now with things happening like the San Bernardino and, you know, the recent Orlando massacre, it's just, it's ridiculous. It seems like these things are happening more and more often. Um, Our government is doing our best, their best to disarm us and to, you know, let our safety, our, our well-being rest in their hands as if they could be all places at all times. I think all these attacks make that evident that that's not the case. And I think people need to wake up and accept responsibility for their own personal protection of themselves and their families. Um, You know, my basic ABC, we need to accept responsibility. Mm -hmm. We need to beware of our vulnerability and we need to make sure that we we can deal with this stuff. And anything that happens, we are prepared for it. Um, I'm sorry, I get stretched and lost my train there, but <laughs> the uh, the importance of making well, sure ABCs. that we can do whatever it takes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Your ABCs are A, accept responsibility, B, beware of vulnerability, C, consider your availability and your options that are around you. Um, yep, Don, you just pulled that right out of the book. Thank you. <laughs> yep, I sure did. <laughs> um, did um, so how young is the youngest person, like how young can you cha- cha- train a child to protect themselves? Well, any any age can do it, however, my uh, two-day immersion trainings, we limit to 12 and up. And the reason for that is many people that attend our events have had something bad happen to them in the past. It's a shame that so few yeah. people actually do what they need to do to prevent it and then come to us after the fact seeking out you know, a, a, to regain their sense of security and regain their peace of mind. Um, but because of that, we're dealing with very sensitive issues. I mean, we're dealing with people that have been raped, people that have been violently attacked, domestic Mm -hmm. abuse, and I am training people how to do whatever they need to do to keep themselves safe, and those are things that we don't want kids necessarily to know um, without giving away, you know, things right now I'm mentioning. Well, okay, yeah, I will. (laughs) We don't want a a 10-year-old getting upset on the playground and grabbing some kid's head and, and ramming his thumb to the, guy's, to the kid's eye socket. We don't want that happening on the playground. Um, now, would we want our, our kid to know that if somebody was trying to kidnap them? Yes. Yeah. But we, we've got to make sure that there's enough emotional responsibility that people don't use this in the wrong way. So... You know, I'll, let, I'll leave it up to parents if they want to show their kids some of this stuff. But in our two-day event, we're dealing with the real violence and real emotions and things that people have really gone through. So I, I keep it to 12 and up in our seminars. Yeah. 
Uh, I had a, I remember years ago um, there was an officer who who told me. He says, and he's a friend, and he said, you need to be aware and conscious that if somebody invades your house, uh, if they get through your window, your front door, easy, either whether you left a door open or a window open, or if they came in by force, their intention is not good, and they are prepared. You have to have the mindset and the knowing that they're prepared to kill you because they are breaching your territory. They don't know if you have a gun or not, but they will stop but nothing put you know, to do what it is that they set out to do. So knowing that they're coming in with the intention to potentially kill you, you need to be prepared to potentially do that because one of you is not going to walk away from this. One of you is not going to survive this. So who who do you, are you going to allow them to do whatever they want or are you going to decide no, you have come in, you're not, you were not invited here. If you have the audacity to break into my territory, then you need to be taken out. And he was talking from the perspective of having a gun. Um, but the same thing, if, if an individual is assaulting you, putting his hands on you and grabbing you or doing whatever he's doing, you have to assume that they're willing to dispose of you completely and kill you where you're going to end up dead. So you, need to do, you, need, you can't really be worrying about harm, not harming or harming the other person. You need to make sure that it's absolute, that you can get away and not be harmed. Wouldn't you agree? That's completely right. Um, both the mindset of somebody entering your home, but at the same time, somebody entering your personal space when you haven't given them permission. We do everything in our power to not hurt somebody. Everybody, everything in our power to not hurt somebody. Between you know, employing so many different, you know, dozens and dozens of protective tactics to keep our homes more secure, to keep our families more secure, to be more aware, to prevent things in, in every way possible. And yet we need to recognize that though we don't want to hurt somebody, when it comes time that we have to save our life physically, we need to be willing to do and ready to do and know how to do everything required to get home safe to our families. Wow. Um, I love what you said earlier about Bruce Lee saying that, you know, ultimately a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And I, I hear what you say and I understand what you're saying and what he said. But also, um, I also know that specialized applied knowledge applied in a certain way can give you monumentally bigger results than applied without having that knowledge. And my point in case is I was at a personal development seminar uh, in the banking industry, and uh, I'll never forget that the, the guy who was uh, teaching, his name is Alex Senek, and he had some martial arts background, and he's really big in personal development, and he was talking about different banking strategies. And you would think that um, what I'm about to share has nothing to do with, with banking, but again, it had to do with mindset and success principles so that we could you know, affect what we were, we were doing. And so what he did was he had uh, half-inch uh, wood boards that he basically gave us all, there's probably about 140 of us in that class. And he gave us, each one of us had a half-inch board. And he told us exactly how to look at the board, what kind of mindset to have, and step-by-step step what we needed to do. And he said to, to us, so about like I said, we were, there was 140. Of course, I was the smallest person in the class. 
Uh, and then there was obviously somebody that was probably, I would say the oldest person in our class was probably in their late 60s. And he said, there isn't a single person in here. He goes, you guys are thinking that so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, because these are big guys that, you know, they're going to be able to break just like a toothpick. But the reality is, no. This is challenging for anybody to do, but everybody has the ability to do it if you follow exactly my instructions and you don't get in your own, you don't get in your own way where you hesitate. So sure enough, uh, you know, he, I think he was trying to make a point, so he put me first because I was the smallest one. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope I can do this. <laughs> so I did exactly what he said. I looked at the board, and the exercise was on our wooden boards. When we came up, we were supposed to have taken a black marker and write on there what it was that we wanted to break through and overcome. Yes. So I wrote my challenge yes. on my board, and, and he held the, he actually had somebody else hold it very specifically in a certain way. And it makes no sense because the board is heavy because it's, you know, half-inch board and, I don't remember. Right. I, didn't, I still have the I still have the board. I have it here in my office library. But lo and behold, I did exactly what he said, and boom, the board split in half with my hand because yep. he showed us how to do it with our hand. And I thought, yes. oh my gosh! I thought, okay, I, I instinctively knew that my legs I could do it because I have pretty strong legs from having been a dancer. But my arms are my uh-huh. weakest thing, so. I was shocked when my arm, my hand went right through the board. It wasn't particularly, it wasn't really painful or anything. It was more shocking that it went through. But that was because my instructor gave me specialized knowledge. He told me exactly what to do, how to think, how to look, and how to position myself. And boom, I had instant results. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I just broke that half-inch board. If I can do that, <laughs> there isn't anything I can't do. You know, I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but that's exactly, I can tell that that's exactly what you're, you're doing in your training. You're giving people very specific, precise instruction on how to think, how to do, and how to act so that they get the same results that you are currently enjoying. Well, and that's just it. And a lot of, you know, you go to many different personal professional development seminars and, and they use that metaphor of of breaking through um, and they'll use breaking a board just like you experienced. And yes, when you do what you're supposed to do and you do it the right way, then you get the results. And that's with everything in life, right? When we think the right thing, when we think the right way, we do the right things and we follow through, we get the results we desire. It's the same thing in the personal protection, but here we're not breaking a board. It's not just a half inch. It's got eyes. It's got a mind. It has has lots of things to hurt us back with. And so understanding where to hit, how to hit, um, having the right mindset, and the biggest thing is actually doing it. Like you said, okay, he could have sat there and he could have told you all those ways that any of you could break a board. But until you actually experienced it, you didn't really believe it. Is that fair? Yeah, that is fair. And I know that you say that it's Mm -hmm. so simple, so easy, that even a child can do it. Exactly. And yet so many times people don't believe it until they've experienced it. And many times it's because they've taken a self-defense course or they've taken martial arts and they know if they honestly ask themselves if they are prepared for a real violent attack, they'll tell you no. They're 
they're not confident. Um, they may be a little bit, but as soon as I demonstrate or they see a video of a real violent attack, they'll admit, no, they're not ready for that. And in our events, that's why one of the unique things about our two days is that people not only learn how to think, they develop, they learn the mindsets, but they learn the specific mechanisms and then they get the mentoring of actually doing it in the seminar. You got to actually wow. do it. So we actually yeah. attack people at our event. <laughs> it's not random. Everybody, they know when it's happening. They're going one at a time and they are attacked. So they actually have to use what it is they learned. Um, we keep ourselves safe um, we reserve the <laughs> the things that hurt people the worst um, mm-hmm. that our that our pads cannot protect us, like mm-hmm. destroying somebody's uh, knee joint or destroying somebody's ankle. We reserve those things and we don't show them that until after the <laughs> the scenario, so they don't accidentally do it to us. But mm-hmm. the things, the basics. Of, of kicking to the shins and going and gouging the eyes and striking the throats, they actually get to do that to us. So we have big protective equipment reinforced with plastic you know, um, shields and such for us um, so that we can withstand it. And they actually get attacked. And the first time that they get attacked, almost everyone blanks out. They black out. And the same thing they would do on the street. They experience all the same physiological responses. They get the tunnel vision, wow. the handshakes. They get the auditory exclusion. They can't hear what anybody else is saying to them. They get cognitive disassociation, which means their body is not communicating the same way with their, with their mind anymore. Um, and they experience all the real physiological responses of a real attack. You know, our objective is to make it as real as possible yet keep people safe in the process. So the first time or two, they may black out and not remember everything what's going on because they're overwhelmed by the physiological responses of their body, even though they just got done learning it and practicing it. But until they've actually gone through it, until they've actually experienced what feels like a real attack, then people do the wrong things. They're not ready. So... And us helping people to develop the right mindset, to learn to do the right things, and then actually doing it, that makes all the difference. So by the time they've done it a third, a fourth, a fifth time with success, and each time gets more challenging, then they realize, just like you did when you went through the board, oh my goodness, I actually did it. Yeah, anybody can stop a violent attack, but you've got to actually not just think it and know it, You've got to experience it to actually know for sure and have the confidence that when the time comes, if necessary, you'll have the muscle memory. Automatically, it'll be there. Yeah, I, I say, you know, the, you know, God is always speaking to us. And, and you know, some of you, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say God. I say use the word the universe interchangeably because I don't want anybody to get caught up on the on the label. But you know, God and the universe is always speaking to us, putting messages and signs out to us. And on the heels of the Orlando massacre and shooting, which was absolutely senseless and should have been prevented many times over, um, I saw a post on your Facebook page, and it, it showed a girl who had, her face was all banged up, 
And after she, her face got, you know, she was apparently attacked, she actually came to your training. And I instantly recognized, and of course I read the whole post, and, I, and just before that I was thinking, gosh, it would be cool to have an expert, you know, in self-defense, you know, for the show, who can I pick? And of course, you and I, we were, you know, I saw you at an event that you had in Los Angeles where you had 60 people from all over the world, and you actually had a live demo there where, you know, Donnie and you were up there on stage and showed us um, a lot of your your um, skills and so forth, which were, I mean, we even had a guy who was a chief of a police department there in attendance that flew out from the East Coast and so forth. But I recognized, I'm like, you know what? That's what prompted me to, to contact you to see if you would even be available because I know you've got a terribly packed schedule. And I knew that I needed to get this information out there in a timely fashion um, because I kept on getting those cues and clues, so to speak. And I think the same thing as life in our everyday lives. It's like anybody who saw that post on Facebook, people who are listening to this show, there's a reason why you're listening to this. This is not just happenstance. It's not just, you know, for kicks and giggles. This is, this is, there's a reason why it's on your awareness. And who knows what you can prevent if you have this information and this knowledge in your hands. Absolutely. And, you know, that post on Facebook it was a girl who actually, uh, her and her mother had met me at one of the, the, the trade shows, expos, saw a demonstration that we did, and they said, oh, my goodness, we need to learn this. Um, and it was inconvenient for them to attend the, the one that I had the following week. And, I mean, it was, you know, short notice. I get that. However, before she was able to attend the next one they had six weeks later, um, she was attacked. And, you know, we never know when something is going to happen to us. And, you know, I, I, like you mentioned, you know, whether it's God or universe, you know, we have these gifts that are given to us and whether it's our intuition or universal truth, and we simply need to act on it. We need to do what's necessary. And, you know, so many times people put off, you know, how many of us know what we're supposed to do and it's getting ourselves to do it, which is usually the hardest thing, right? <laughs> the same thing here. Everybody will acknowledge um, that knowing how to protect themselves, how to physically stop an attack is something that they should know and that's something they should learn. And yet so many people put it off and put it off and put it off. And for many people, I mean, what, in the Orlando Massacre, over 100 people were killed or injured. Uh, among 300, that's just, that's sad. It's, it's so sad that people are not prepared. And I know that there were from some of the, the reports coming down that there were some people that knew what they were doing and they were trying to help, but nobody knew how to stop that guy. Nobody was prepared to stop that man from killing and injuring so many people. Um, and that's just, that's a shame because so many things like that if not avoided, they can be dealt with instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to get in, you know, I don't want to get into the whole gun controversy and stuff, but, you know, look at another way. If all 300 of those people had guns, how long would that have, shooter have lasted? No, I understand oh, it's unrealistic, it but you yeah. got to look at No, I know. Yeah. Well, maybe in Texas, actually, in, I think it's Sweden. <laughs> Sweden. Had this happened in Sweden? Um, uh, he wouldn't have survived because everybody packs a gun from grandmas to, you know, 
young people. So it, it, it just doesn't happen because you don't have any – it just isn't going to happen. So, yeah, and we don't get want to get into that whole controversy thing. But the bottom line exactly. is you do have solutions and tactics that people are able to um, learn and apply to amplify their possibility of being able to walk away from a very terrible situation. And it sounds to me that, you know, for those of you who are business owners where you have people that work in your office, you know, whether it's the post office, that's not a pun because we all have heard the term going postal. It does happen. Right. You know, you, you, you hear about those things and it's happening in workforces. It's not limited to the post office. You've heard it happen in other different places. So if you are a business owner and you're responsible for a group of people that show up at your brick-and-mortar place or a nightclub owner or anything to that effect, it seems to me that it would make logical sense to attend your training and at least empower yourself with tools and tactics that can create a safer environment you know, for not only your employees and independent contractors, but also the public that you serve and the consumers that sustain your business. So with that being said, I know that not everybody can attend your live training, but um, I understand that you, you have an email video training program? We do. Part of our, our training system, we have the two-day immersion training, um, but it's backed up by a whole system. Um, I have the book. We have the workbook. We have the DVDs. Uh, we have an email system that every one to three days, uh, our members actually receive a succinct uh, video micro training. So it's like three to five minutes that they can receive by email, just quick to keep it top of mind and to start learning some of these six self-defense secrets. And I say they're secrets because, you know, again, they're not taught in most martial arts or self-defense programs. So the things that we've developed, um, I now put them in that video system so we go ongoing because, you know, can you learn everything you need to do in two days? Physically, yes, but our mindset and all the other things we need to do to prevent is something that takes time to develop. And the video email system helps people to develop that over time so they become stronger, um, more empowered in every aspect of their life um, over the course of years. So I've made available for people the opportunity to experience the first 30 videos, um, no charge, no obligation. Oh. They can they can go to my website and just log in and they'll have an opportunity to win, the opportunity to attend a two-day live training, and they'll receive the first 30 training videos at no charge, no obligation. And the website is very simply protectmedon.com. That is absolutely wonderful. We're, well, we are just about out of time, but I'm so happy and excited that uh, you're – being so generous and giving them all these massive gifts that are uh, priceless. I can't imagine the dollar cost if we were to traditionally buy that from you. Um, but so you, all they have to do is go to your website, protectmedon.com, and sign up and mention the Bottom Line Show Live. And Don will make sure to uh, provide those incredible gifts that may save you or your loved ones or both of your lives. Wouldn't that be incredible? So Don... Thank you so much for being on our show today. This has been very eye-opening and insightful, and uh, I um, am glad that you were able to come here with an open heart and share your incredible skills and tactics that have taken you hundreds of thousands of dollars and a lifetime to acquire. So, And a lot of, I'm sure, pain and grief uh, went into that as well. So we, it's 
No experience is wasted. Thank you for it all. Thank you much. Appreciate you having me on the show. All righty. That's the Bottom Line Show Live. We are at 11.11 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.11 p.m. Central Time. Thank you for joining us. Peace and love always.